Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Welcome to Overnight America with Ryan Recker on KMOX. Sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts, michaelsflooringoutlet.com. It's that time of night, you can't stay up tight. So come and join the people and I'm feeling all right here on old. Yes, here we are in a little past midnight live still in St. Louis, Missouri. If you want to uh, join us, you can. And this one story seems to bring certain emotions out. It's one of those uh, talk stories that are somewhat evergreen. And it's one of those talk stories. Also, if you hear someone filling in, they like to bring it out because they know people will uh, interact with them. (laughs) They are desperately wanting people to uh, call them when they are guest hosting somewhere. And that has to do with abortion. This is a new bill that's being introduced in Tennessee by a Republican state senator. And it says a person may petition a court with jurisdiction over domestic relations matters to request an injunction to prohibit a woman who is pregnant with the person's unborn child from obtaining an abortion. And the Senate bill was passed And a second consideration will be happening when it goes to the Senate Judiciary Committee. But the injunction would only be granted if an individual has evidence that the woman is considering an abortion and that the man is the father and would like to prevent that from happening because he wants that child to be born. So once an injunction is issued, the court must hold a hearing with both parties within 14 days. Um, that's interesting because I think this has been tried a couple of different ways, and there have been certain laws that have been brought up regarding abortion and trying to um, prevent it after a certain point. Um, you know, the unfettered abortion that they cheered for in New York's the one where you can go all the way up until the actual moment before birth. And even in some cases, you know, the very famous line from Governor Ralph Northam. You know, the guy that had himself either in a KKK outfit or blackface in his yearbook in college. Uh, He didn't really tell you which one was him, but he was one of them. He could have been both. Who knows at one point? But uh, he's the one that said, well, this is what we're considering. And he described infanticide, which is the, um, the baby is born. And then afterwards, making a decision. If you changed your mind, then, hey, you still have time. We'll just terminate the baby after the fact and it's a sad terrible reality we live in where this is the type of laws that get passed in democrat controlled states the ones that are heavily democratic controlled in tennessee this is an interesting thought that if you're a father do you have parental rights uh, for an unborn child and i think i would argue you should uh, there's a few things i would point out here 
if let's say um you and someone else you have a you know relations we'll say and i'm not gonna get too technical here but one wants to terminate the abortion or terminate the child and it's uh you know who knows it could be the mother could be the father whatever and one doesn't and there's a dispute normally it's been whatever the uh the mother wants is what happens regardless of what the father wants maybe it's let's say it's the other way around uh, if the, the mother goes through and the father does not want that from happening, the father is still responsible for that child, you know, and child support or whatever that may be. If they petition the court, it'll, it should go through and something like that. So when you're in a situation where the father wants it and the woman does not, why shouldn't there at least be some consideration to the parental rights of the dad, considering there is parental rights and parental responsibilities of that child? I don't um, I don't think that uh, as a dad and I think about all the atrocities that have been committed when it comes to abortion over the years in the decades and all the lives that have been lost for that. I, I think that there has to be something in there that would allow some sort of ability for the dad to make a case to try to plead for the life of that child. It says that if an injunction is issued, the court must hold a hearing with both parties within 14 days. If the woman violates the injunction and gets an abortion, the court may hold the respondent in civil or criminal contempt and punish the respondents in accordance of the law. State Representative Jerry Sexton introduced the bill on Wednesday to pass first consideration last Thursday. Um, needs to be passed and approved by the governor to go in effect starting July 1st. So that's right around the corner. So what do you think about the parental involvement? Do you think that the dad in this case should be able to put a court order together to petition to save the life of that child if he believes the mother is trying to commit an abortion? 314-436-7900 or 800-925-1120. There have been some successful laws that different states have tried. The fetal heartbeat law is one of them that tries to make it so that there is a cutoff point when it comes to uh, an abortion. And it, once you detect a heartbeat, then it's too late for that. Some places look at it as a certain trimester. Some places look at it um, certain stages. Some people don't even, you know, some states don't even have that. I mean, like New York, where they cheered and joyfully cheered, allowing an abortion all the way up until the moment before the birth. And that it's horrific if you know how that procedure is actually conducted, in particular conducted as the child could be ready for birth, it is just horrific to think that's what's going on and that anyone would be able to do that. It, like any human being would be able to do that to a viable living child. But then again, people argue for these things. And it, you know, it does make me sick just to think about it, but still, I'm glad that in Tennessee, they're trying to put some consideration in there to try to save that life. Uh, 314-436-7900. We can take some of your calls coming up after the break. It's Overnight America, KMOX. Radio's BS detector. Mark Reardon. Weekday afternoons at 2 on St. Louis's News Radio, KMOX. You know, we could talk about that Tennessee law if you want to. Uh, it doesn't look like anyone is calling in at the moment. So it's one of those uh, cold, lonely nights where everyone's hands are chapped. And every time you touch anything that 
could produce a static cling. It does snap at you. I got a lot of that. I feel real bad. It's almost like I need to ground myself before touching anything. Computer, my phone, my headphones, all of those things. But uh, we'll leave that open if you want to at 314-436-7900. Tom Grisham is a spokesperson for the Second Amendment Foundation. We're going to talk to him after the next break. So in about uh, 15 minutes from now, roughly. There's a few other things I wanted to get to because when it comes to the economic plans, President Biden uh, balking at the $50,000 student loan forgiveness plan. They made such a big push for that. The Schumers of the world and all of them will stand in front of a podium and say, this is such a great thing, such a great thing. And it's not. It, it, it really is a bad idea. Uh, student loan debt saying he does not have the power to do that unilaterally. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? So it's like it's almost like he looked into it. Oh, I need to talk to people if I can just executive order this. What is he up to, by the way? Uh, if there was a executive order odometer, it would have rolled over how many times by now? So this is the quote from The Hill. I do think in this moment of economic pain and strain that we should be eliminating interest on the debts that are accumulated, number one. And number two, I'm prepared to write off $10,000 debt, but not 50000 Why 10? Why 50? Why anything? Don't do that. I can see an interesting, okay, we're going to, we're going to forgive the interest for a period of six months. That's good news. Okay, I can understand that. Given that you are the issuer and you're the holder of that loan and say we're going to allow you to you know, make the same payment or whatever it is, but it's whatever you make that would normally go towards the interest, we're going to put that towards the principal. And next thing you know, you're going to be paying off your student loans a little bit faster. That is a much better idea, in fact. But just saying we're going to flat out give you, uh, we're going to knock your bill down by 10 grand. Uh-uh, no thank you. Don't give me any of that. White House previously said the Office of Legal Counsel was renewing whether Biden could force federal student loan debt, uh, unilaterally cancel it. Um, they don't know. And there would be a big, I guess, battle for that sort of thing. Number one, we can't afford it. Number two, should we even do it on principle? And the answer is no, we shouldn't be doing that on principle at all. Shouldn't be happening. Another thing, too, um, President Biden, I'm tired of talking about Trump. Oh, no kidding. Well, how about you relay that to your party who can't stop talking about him nonstop? In, in fact, still want to see him um, prosecuted at every given opportunity. And if they had a chance to give a third impeachment, they probably would, too. Because why not just continue to throw that out there? We're going to be finding ourselves in this perpetual impeachment moment where over and over and over again, we're going to say, oh, this is a this is a tool that we can use as a way as a political thing, even though it is a political theater. Um, instead of using it for actual crimes, we're just going to use it out there to rile up our base and to show that we have power. And in the future, if we've diminished the impeachment process in which we have with Donald Trump doing it for the second time, then why not use that over again? As Lindsey Graham pointed out, if the Republicans gain control, you might as well do this with Kamala Harris for her incitement over the past year. Incitement in the sense that if you are purposely going to raise money and bail people out who turn around and commit a crime, then have you allowed and incited that, uh, allowing and facilitated for them to be able to commit these acts of violence when they go and turn around and take a baseball bat to someone's head because you wanted them out of jail and you uh, you did that by intervening directly. Um, that's an interesting thought. So you may think that's kind of a 
weak stretch when it comes to impeachment. But then again, you've already weakened the argument of what is acceptable when it comes to impeachment. So go for it, Republicans. Why not waste some more time here? Because we're in this uh, wasting time mode. But either way, um, here's President Biden said during a CNN town hall today, which I didn't get a chance to see. I did see people posting clips, but it says for four years, all that's been in the news is Trump. The next four years, I want to make sure all the news is the American people. I'm tired of talking about Trump. Um, Biden was, uh, again, handling of the coronavirus pandemic. Uh, periodically to defend his own administration stumbles and administering vaccines nationwide. So I don't know if I'm going to watch this CNN thing. I did see him mention that we need to get to certain areas where, um, you know, minority areas, the ones that are predominantly underserved and teach them how to use computers. So they know they can sign up for the virus. Very insulting is this is the type of argument that they've used when it comes to voter registration in the past, where they say that you don't have the ability to, uh, register yourself. Thus, we don't need any of these things. We don't need IDs. We don't need registration. Uh, we just will take your uh, scouts on or whenever you show up to a polling place and we don't have to worry about anything after that. And they say it's because, oh, they don't know how to get to uh, uh, an ability to get an ID or to register to vote or things like that. Pretty insulting, all things considered, if you are someone that is a minority and you see a leader like Joe Biden stand up and say, uh, we don't have confidence that you know how to use a computer. <laughs> not good not good at all it is kind of an old way of thinking but then again he's done some pretty racist things in his past and for whatever reason he gets a pass for it i think it's because he's got that d next to his name that to me seems pretty clear going back to the student loan thing the white house previously said that they want to find other ways to do it uh supporters argue that biden has the authority and responsibility to cancel student loan debt uh 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 uh, the push to erase the debt will likely run into GOP opposition. Some critics have questioned whether the education secretary has legal power to even forgive student loan debt. I don't think they should be able to do that. So if he can do it just like as a wave of a pen or whatever it is, can they unilaterally just go in and just, uh, you know, lottery style and pick random people and say, hey, congratulations, your, your debt's paid off like your Dave Ramsey or something along those lines? Maybe, but probably not. That's why I don't even like the idea that they're looking into it on principle. They shouldn't be dropping people's loans, period. Shouldn't be a thing at all. Uh, here's another quick story. Nothing political in this one. Fox News posted this. America's most disliked pizza topping. In your mind, I want you to guess what it is. And you might be wrong if you said pineapple, because that's kind of the, the propaganda that the Internet has decided to push out there, that pineapple is a terrible pizza topping. It's not the worst by any means, it's not the worst. It's fun to make fun of. But of the respondents, they said anchovies, the small fish. Uh, big on taste, they say. I've only tried it once in my life. We were on vacation. A bunch of buddies of us went up to his parents' cabin during the summer for a week. It was awesome. And we went to the pizza place in town. Uh, you know, there's always a small town associated with a cabin somewhere. And it's always like three stores or something with one stop sign type, uh, you know, in the middle. So we go to this pizza place and he orders anchovies. I tried it once. It was chopped. It wasn't like full strips of little fish or anything. It was just a little salty fish. That's all it tasted like. But then again, I, I never thought that I would order it on my own. So often uh, people like to make fun of it and rightfully so. 61% said they don't like it. 52% also said that they don't like eggplant on pizza. 
I've never once been to a location that offered eggplant on a pizza. And I've been to some pretty great pizza places. Uh, artichokes were the third least popular topping. 44% say they don't like them. Who's actually tried these things? I've uh, No one I've known has tried eggplant on a pizza when they've gone out, unless they've created their own eggplant pizza. You know, using eggplant as the main ingredient. And artichokes, same thing. I love artichokes. I think it would be great on pizza. I'd try it. But I've never seen it offered, probably because it's so expensive. Uh, broccoli was the fourth, just like... Who puts broccoli on pizza? That is weird. And pineapple came in fifth. Respondent saying no to pineapple on pizza. Ham and pineapple, however, I think it's a good combination. I wouldn't say no to that directly. In fact, I would uh, give it a second try if I were you. Meanwhile, pepperoni was the most popular topping. Thin crust, slightly more popular in the Midwest, in western parts of the United States. Uh, we love us some thin crust pizza here in St. Louis. And I've come to really appreciate the thin crust, which I never have in the past. But when I get a frozen pizza, it's got to be a thin crust. I don't like the rising frozen pizzas that just don't taste the same. But when I go out anymore, I just ask for thin crust. It's just what I do. It's kind of changed my uh, uh, thanks to emails. It's kind of changed the way I've looked at pizza. Thanks a lot. But I do like it. I'm not here to complain. All right. When we come back after the break, Tom Grisham is a spokesperson for the Second Amendment Foundation. He's hosted Tom Grisham's Gun Talk. And with the news of President Biden uh, talking about taking gun rights away from legal and safe and uh, gun owners across the United States, we should probably uh, talk about that a little bit more because this is something I think that will be a priority for the administration, and it should scare a lot of legal gun owners. That's coming up right after the break. We'll take a lick at your weather, too, on Overnight America KMOX. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. News Radio 1120, KMOX, the voice of the Cardinals. Joining us now is a spokesperson for the Second Amendment Foundation, also host of Tom Grisham's Gun Talk. Recent uh, news, we're looking at what the Biden administration is talking about gun rights. I thought this would be a good opportunity to bring him on in. Tom Grisham, thank you for coming on to KMOX. It is uh, an interesting time, and, you know, one thing about Biden is he, at least it appears he's going to try to live up to his promises. He promises to be a gun banner, and let's see if he does. Well, that's what he's saying. And even the headline that came out today, and I was looking at this, uh, Fox News put an article up on it, uh, gun control of priority, Biden not afraid of standing up to the NRA. Uh, and he used it, and the, the interesting timing was that they started to talk about these things on anniversary dates of previous uh, you know, the Stoneman Douglas shooting that happened in Florida, the tragedy there. So they were piggybacking off of an anniversary date to announce this sort of move. And a lot of people looked at that as in poor taste to, to try to use that as a springboard so many years later. And But, however, this is kind of what the Biden administration has been telegraphing all along. However, I'll go back and I wanted to play counterpoint. They've been going back and forth. They've wish, wishy-washed on this in the past. They've said that, no, they wouldn't do this. No, they would never do this. And then all of a sudden they're in and then they start doing it immediately. 
It's an interesting deal. I mean, you're exactly right. They like to piggyback these on two anniversaries. You got the uh, Marjorie Stoneman Douglas uh, school shooting in Florida, which, of course, is one of the abject failures, many abject failures of gun-free zones. There was no one in the school that could stop the shooter. So you had police outside who refused to go in, yeah. and the law there said, well, no one else could have a gun in there. So what it did is they said, we guarantee that a madman could come in here and kill as many people as he wants to. That is what gun-free zones do. It's really sad, and, and trying to relive and think about that moment and all of the, the lacks of security that went into that. If I remember correctly, the person found access into the building in ways where there were no security checkpoints because he knew the vulnerabilities of it. So the guy had this all plotted out, and he figured out how to get out of there unspotted and things like that. There was a million red flags, and you look at some of the laws that were in place that could have prevented him to begin with that were overlapped to begin with, and just in general, the, the shame that was brought to that one uh, guard who decided not to do anything about it. And I, you know, it just that was just a terrible thing. But however, I think about as, as much of a tragedy as that is, you're going to use that and say that this is a representation of all gun owners is very wrong. Right. And that's a great point that you make there, which they say we're going to stand up to the NRA. But what they're actually saying is we're going to stand against America's gun owners. We have 110 million people who own guns in the United States, and almost none of them commit crimes. It's like, you know, a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of a percent. Most people are law abiding and honest. And they say, yeah, but we're going to restrict your rights. We're going to make sure that you can't own the guns that you want. We're going to actually ban the most popular guns in America today in hopes, in hopes that somehow it's going to make the criminally inclined or the unfortunately the mentally incompetent, all of a sudden they're going to behave because we're restricting you. The logic of it is not to be found. It's just crazy on the face of it, but it has actually become a bit of a a religious, like a religious zealot thing. Uh, We want to ban guns, ban guns, ban guns. And then the next breath they'll say, oh, yeah, but we don't want to take your, your guns away. Well, except the popular guns, the ones that we don't like, the ones that look ugly. Yeah, we're going to take those away from you. Yeah, at the same time, they say this is common sense, right? So they try to put that tag on things <laughs> when uh, really yeah. that's not defined. It's not like there is a common sense in this sort of thing because to their definition, common sense is uh, no gun, right? Because they, they want to look at some of the models in other countries and things, which uh, I just don't agree with. Well, clearly... Their goal is no guns. It's, it's kind of like when they, uh, they talk about how many rounds should you be able to have in a magazine. And they say, well, you know, that's too many. I said, well, what's the right number? Well, you know, 10 is the right number. Except, well, 15 is the right number. Or in New York, they tried 7 is the right number. The real number is zero. That's what they're trying to go to. And for those who don't understand, we're not talking about necessarily magazines for really popular rifles like the AR-15. We're talking about they want to ban the magazines for your pistols, your semi-automatic pistols. Uh, and all the rifles out there, anything that holds more than 10 rounds, and you know, like every Glock, every Smith & Wesson, every Ruger, all of those hold more, more than 17, or more than 10 rounds. A lot of them hold 17 or 19 rounds. They want to ban all of those, and they want to confiscate them and make you a criminal if you own one. Even though it was perfectly legal, all of a sudden you're going to be criminalized in the deal. It is a, it's the new gun ban religion from the gun ban industry, and it's all, every bit of it is being funded by Michael Bloomberg, the billionaire, former mayor of New York, who has said that's his goal out there. So, you know, I guess, where are we now? What's the likelihood? And 
hang. You know, I don't know if uh, Biden can do a few things with executive orders, not a lot. They're going to try to pass some things in Congress. But the truth of it is, and this is where the Second Amendment Foundation comes in, because everybody keeps looking at the NRA, and I say, look, no, 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 no. The real battle is going to be in the courts. Mm -hmm. We have a number of cases that the Second Amendment Foundation is involved with, and they're working their way to the Supreme Court. And when the Supreme Court rules, you can't ban guns that are in common use. That is what they decided in the Heller decision 10 years ago. You cannot ban guns that are in common use. Clearly, semi-automatic rifles are in common use. I used one 50 years ago to shoot my first deer when I was 11 years old. I think that the Biden administration and the way that they've done this, I mean, not even in the office 20, 30 days now, a month, not even there. And this is already a top priority. So do you think this is going to be common for the next four years, constantly a a battle when it comes to the Second Amendment? Well, they have to pay their debt. And, you know, it's like just as they're paying their debts to the teachers unions, they're having to pay their debts to the gun ban lobby, which helped Biden get elected. And so they're putting the pressure on him. You've got to do something to do something. He knows it's a loser. He knows that even people on the Democratic side look at that and go, wait, 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 wait. You want to take my gun away? I'm a good guy. It's always interesting to watch people who have kind of been in favor of gun control, you know, because they like the general idea of not letting bad guys get guns. And you say, okay, well, that's going to mean you're going to have a waiting period. You're going to have to pay more in terms of fees, and there are going to be a bunch of guns you can't own anymore. And they turn around and go, well, but, but, but wait, I'm a good guy. We, yeah, welcome to gun control. That's what this is. It doesn't do anything to the criminals. It simply slows you down or strips away your rights. Seems to be a common topic over the past decade or two, uh, nonstop really, uh, ever since Michael Moore did that documentary, Bowling for Columbine, I feel like the pressure has been a little bit higher. And I don't know if it'll ever go away. I, I do feel one of the huge advantages is that the Supreme Court in during Donald Trump's administration was able to be able to put so many Supreme Court justices on, which kind of helps the cause because they're going to look at it on a constitutional standpoint, not necessarily a cultural one where the loudest voices are upset and they'll cave into that sort of thing. Boy, you nailed it right there. It's like, OK, you don't get to actually vote people's rights away, not guaranteed constitutional rights. These are not granted by the Second Amendment. They are guaranteed. They preexisted the foundation of the country. They're, they're guaranteed rights. And so even popular vote doesn't get to take those away until and unless you're willing to repeal the Second Amendment. And so the Supreme Court, I think you're right, they're going to end up saying, no, you cannot ban these guns. You, know, you can make restrictions on you know, what you can do with them legally. But, and there are some things they can do. But you can't just do an outright ban on them. And I think they're probably going to end up saying the same thing with magazines because there are hundreds of millions of magazines out there that would be banned and possession of even one of them would make you a criminal. That's crazy. I mean, that that's just nuts. Yeah, and one of the ways you see the erosion of gun rights, it it starts with the individual and then they realize that it's not going to work as too hard of a battle right now. And then they start moving up to institutional in the sense, like even here in St. Louis, you know, you see the people calling, you do police officers really need guns? You know, they need non-lethal weapons because ultimately they may make a bad decision and someone might get hurt. So there's people that rally to try to get police or and even in the case here a couple of weeks ago, we have 
this public transportation called the Metrolink. And there were security guards last year as part of a, a proposition. And what they did, they decided to remove uh, lethal weapons from the security guards on these platforms. So two weeks ago, we had someone that got disgruntled against, uh, you know, just a, a, a citizen, a criminal in this case, came up and was upset, pulled out a gun and shot and killed a Metrolink officer. The person would have had a gun last year. Then they decided to change the regulations, not because of the law, but because of the pressure or whatever the motivations are. And, you know, the person's a decorated Marine. He knew how to handle a firearm. He had no issues or prior instances in the past. All of these things could have been prevented if he was able to defend himself. So you, you start to see the, the public pressure, the crowds start to disarm in a way that might be outside of your home. But it needs to be noted. It's not just on an individual. It's people are trying to push it everywhere else outside of the home. And then on top of that, they don't want you to have a firearm outside of your own home. They, they look at it and say, well, you can have it inside your, your, your own home to protect yourself. But outside of that, we don't want you to have it in, in, you know, to protect yourself anywhere else. So they've been pushing like crazy. And we need to really wake up to the idea that they're doing everything they can to try to erode this to the point where they will take it out of your home, too. Oh, yeah. No, not that. But here's the interesting, interesting part. When those people who want to disarm the police are somewhere where someone walks in and starts shooting people, who are they going to call? They're going to call 911 and they're going to beg them, please send people with guns. We need guns here. Just send somebody in here to shoot this guy, to make him stop killing people. The people who don't want guns, they will be begging for someone to bring a gun to save them. So if people wanted to find your show, which is Gun Talk, or more about the Second Amendment Foundation, where can they look? Sure, easy enough. Uh, Gun Talk is really easy. Guntalk.com. You can find us, you know, and the podcast also exists, you know, wherever you find podcasts. And for information on the Second Amendment Foundation, it's saf.org, very simple. And we're involved in all the major legal cases going to court to save the Second Amendment. Very good. And your show on the weekend syndicated, Gun Talk. You can find him on there online, Second Amendment Foundation. You can look up Tom Grisham. Thank you so much for coming on and joining us tonight on KMOX. Appreciate the uh, invite. And he joins us on the Bomberito Automotive Group guest line on Overnight America, KMOX. This is Overnight America, sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts. Michael'sFlooringOutlet.com on KMOX. Well, here we are with a couple more minutes of Overnight America, and then the replay hours come after midnight. Well, it is technically after midnight. I'm used to just saying that. Force of habit. I guess. After 1 o'clock, you get one replay hour. <laughs> and that has to uh, do with what we had in the 1 o'clock hour, which includes our interview with Fox 2 News anchor John Brown, whose new book, 100 Things to Do in Missouri Before You Die. Couple of things to get to just real quick here. Uh, Dr. Fauci on CNN. When you hear about how long it's going to take to get the overwhelming uh, proportion of the population vaccinated, I don't think anybody disagrees that that's going to be well to the end of the summer and we get in the early fall. When are going to we be able to start on that process? It's probably going to be in the springtime because the whole process is going to take a few months to actually get implemented. We have a good plan how to get those doses into people's arms. We just need more vaccine. That's the line that I don't know if it's a coordinated effort or more or less people just have been gravitating towards uh, shots in the arm. They've been saying that way too much. 
which makes me wonder if there's a memo that went out to all these different agencies. Do you remember back during the Obama administration years where they were really trying to push Obamacare? And all the people said the exact same thing over and over again. And then finally, it was revealed that the administration put out a memo to celebrities and television anchors and all these things, specifically telling them the language to use when talking about it. And they all complied. I don't know if you remember that, but also caught. Remember when Jimmy Kimmel was caught taking notes from politicians, uh, the Democratic politicians on how to handle certain topics? Also not good. Here we are. Um wondering why in the world when we hear things over and over and over again that they, they don't realize we picked up on these sort of things. So I wanted to just remind that there is going to be another cold day and another few cold days in a row. Luckily, we hear from Ameren here in the area that when it comes to energy, they're not considering these rolling blackouts like they're doing in some other areas. And if you go a little bit further west, uh, Kansas City is experiencing that. They'll go out for several hours at a time. I think Quiver River was thinking about it. I don't know if they implemented it or not, the rolling blackouts, asking you to conserve energy and electricity. A couple of things that they recommend, set your thermostat to 68 or lower. I just checked my thermostat in the stats for Tuesday, and I, my furnace ran for seven hours and 15 minutes. I don't know if that's a lot or not. In fact, I feel like that's not a lot considering just how cold it was. Day before that on uh, Monday would have been for eight hours and 15 minutes. Again, that seems pretty good considering that it was just terribly difficult, cold, and we were inside the whole time. we got to keep it to a certain level. I can't imagine uh, my house losing power, gas or whatever, and it being out for several hours at a time. It, it would just be miserable. I wouldn't feel right abandoning my family to go into work, do the show either. I just wouldn't be able to do anything. I'd be, it'd be crippling really, but that's what millions of people are facing across the United States, places like Texas, where they have commissions that step forward and say, we're going to force these energy companies to cut it off for a while to conserve. Oh man, don't give me that strip any type of power away from them and let the power companies just handle it. So set your thermostat to 68. They say, turn your thermostat down at night. I heard mine just kick on. So we keep it kind of at 68 all the time. So I feel like that is, you know, pretty good compromise. Unplug or turn off non-essential appliances. Yeah, I guess the plug-in in the non-essential, it does draw a small amount of electricity. Normally, it's like the extreme cheapskates are the ones that do that sort of thing, where they go around and they're very strict unplug that toaster. We're losing money out for that toaster being plugged in. And you're like, wait, you're what? Or the, some people, they even encourage you at night to unplug your cell phone cord out of the wall, because even though your cell phone is not plugged into it, it could be drawing some electricity sitting idly by. See, I'm not at that point yet. Maybe in the future, they'll actually have smart um, plugs in the wall that will be able to detect if you're going to use it or not, and then just automatically cut it off, like trip it. So you're not pulling electricity. That would be pretty convenient. Maybe that's a million dollar idea that Amazon just stole from me because they heard me say it out loud. It was picked up on a listening device and now they're already developing it. And Oh, there it is. Patents already been put in. They also say avoid using large appliances such as ovens and dryers and on electric hot water heaters, reduce the temperature settings, all things that I don't think many people are going to do. 
or prefer or even want to do. Well, that does it for us here at Overnight America. I'll be back again tomorrow night, 8 o'clock. we got so many different guests scheduled. In fact, I'm really excited for one in particular. We're going to be connecting with Israel. We're going to talk to someone that's out there. How has the relations between the United States and Israel been with the new administration? So we'll have a very special guest, uh, mayor of a city that's out there. And if you want to find me online, you can get me on Facebook, Ryan Wrecker Radio. Very easy to like that page on there. We can hate Facebook together, even though you find yourself still on it and not like it. Let's uh, spend that miserable time together on social media, Ryan Wrecker Radio. Enjoy the rest of your night and uh, replay hour up next. Bye. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app.